Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cavi Productions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the lovely Samantha Glover. We are old friends. We've been friends since, I mean, before I can remember, really. So uh, that's very exciting. How are you today, Samantha? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I may call you Sammy. I don't know if you ever still go by Sammy. Oh, I Um, love going by Sammy. Okay. So, (laughs) um, uh, yeah, so Sammy and I have been friends for a very, very long time, and we are going to talk a little bit about... Um, self-care and some other things. So before we started, Samantha was telling me about um, when she was pregnant with her first kid and some of the stuff that happened um, around that. So do you want to just start by telling us a bit of that story? Yeah. Um, So um, not long after my husband and I were married, we wanted to have kids pretty fast. So um, we ended up getting pregnant really quick and so, um, yeah, I was having a, having a good time, and um, and then I started having some pain in my stomach, mm-hmm. and at first I was like, okay, maybe I just got sick with something, and you know, it's one of those twenty four hour things. But then well, it. Yeah, and it's- Oh, I was yeah. just going to say, it's funny because with pregnancy, like I've heard a lot of pregnant women say, they don't know if this is the pregnancy or yeah. if it's something else, right? Because yeah. it's like your body's going through all these changes. Everything's new. You don't you don't know your body the same way you normally do. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, um, I was a little surprised um, at how intense my nausea was, um, but I had heard it had been pretty bad. Um, it can be pretty bad with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, just push through it, push through it. And eventually it got to the point where I started getting stabbing pains in my stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so eventually I ended up going to the hospital for for the pain. And they got a portable ultrasound and they said, oh, you've got gallstones. You're going to have to eat less fatty foods and stuff like that. So they gave me the, the solution. I was like, okay. Well, I went home and tried to do that, but the next time I ate, I ended up with the stabbing pain again, and it was almost so bad that I, like, I almost vomited. Mm-hmm. And so I went back, and they said you had to. I had to get my gallbladder taken out, and I was just entering the second trimester. That's so scary. And so that was terrifying because it was my first pregnancy ever, and. I didn't know what to expect, but thankfully it was like the perfect time to to get it done because the baby hadn't grown too big yet or anything like that. So And it was also less vulnerable being being yeah. past the first trimester. Yeah, exactly. And so I uh it, it was scary for me because it was my first time going under for surgery. Mm-hmm. Um but I was met with a lot of support from some church friends and family and whatnot. Um, I was actually really lucky because um, one of my friends was friends at the time. Um, she she was actually going through her her nurses course. Oh, um, that is so. Lucky. 
she was um, actively learning. Yeah, she was actively learning. So she was a part of that. And it was actually her day to be in the OR. And so they start putting me, they start putting me under. And I don't remember this, but right before I was out for good, I had asked her to pray for me. (laughs) I don't remember that at all. It was so funny. That's so uh, sweet. (laughs) And uh, when I came to, it was actually really funny because the, um, the doctor said that it went textbook. Oh, that's good. Which is so good. Um, But uh, my friend actually told me, she said that uh, some of the nurses had talked about how I would look good in a little black dress. (laughs) I had to laugh because I had to laugh with her because she's like, I thought that stuff only happened on TV. It's like, no, it happens in real life, too, where they make comments like that. That's so um, funny. Yeah, so it was um, ever after that, because I actually ended up having to go through two procedures. Um, After removing my gallbladder, they they had to uh, do another procedure to fetch a gallbladder, a gallstone that had gotten out. So it got loose. Yeah, and they said it could... uh, cause problems if they didn't get it so mm-hmm. okay so the reason you were telling me that story earlier was was because you were letting me know wh- why you named your daughter Serena which is a beautiful name mm-hmm. um, and and we were just talking about the concept of serenity and finding serenity in these moments where you wouldn't expect them and and that's one of the things that really really resonates with me about that story is that sometimes Like sometimes self-care looks like trudging through the mud to find what's on the other side, you know, and, and, and you don't even have a choice and it can feel so, so frustrating, but, but the hardest moments in our life so often bring us a sense of, of like just unending peace once it's done. Um, So what does self-care like, you know, after that, what did it look like? And, And can you tell me a little bit about how, your view of self-care has evolved from pre pre-pregnancy and now you have two um so has has evolved over the years and and your relationship to it yeah um well i guess pre pre-pregnancy self-care was like it it was kind of just a second thought or it was like oh i'll just go do this to be happy mm-hmm. um because you know you have you don't have a whole lot of you don't have a whole lot of things stopping you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas once you have kids, it's like your priority becomes the kids. Absolutely. Um, and like even like after after the surgery, um, you know, I learned I had to take better care of myself. So I started trying to eat a little better and whatnot. And I didn't try any diets because a lot of the time um, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of misconceptions about diets. Mm-hmm. And people will do them for 30 days and go off and then be like, okay, what why am I gaining weight back or why am why is this not working anymore? And it's because a diet is supposed to be a lifestyle choice, a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. And if you're not happy with it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, they, there's a lot. I have a lot of complicated <laughs> diets. Uh, <laughs> but sorry, go on. Go on. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of slowly started after that and um you know, I've just always been looking to um, find little ways, like, especially when they're little, it's really, really hard because 
you feel like you sit down after they're in bed. It's like, well, in two hours or three hours, four hours, <laughs> I'm going to have to get up again. And it's hard to get, find that space to relax and unwind. Let yeah. yourself let go because you know that you're going to have to be tense again in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, one wow. of the things that I found really worked was listening to audiobooks because I could put my earphone in in the middle of the night pay attention to something else while I'm giving the baby its bottle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, especially because some some babies like Serena was, um, she had to be held and rocked for about 45 minutes Ooh. to an hour sometimes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I had to tiptoe out of the room. <laughs> Oh, it, man. Yeah, it was it was brutal. The, the that first year always seems to be the hardest. Um, and, and they're I, so dependent on you at that point. Like it's not even like you like they can take care of anything mm -hmm. themselves. You've got you you have to. There's no choice. Exactly. And with my husband working a full time job, it's like I can't wake him up and ask him to do it or like. You know, because one, he has a hard time waking up in the morning enough as it is. So <laughs> by the time he would actually get his butt out of bed to take care of the baby, it'd be like, well, I'm awake, so <laughs> I might as well go do it. And I mean, he's he's a good dad. He just had a really hard time with those younger stages. And I think a lot of men do. Mm -hmm. But... Again, like when you're in a position like that, self-care is so important and you want to find little things. You're not going to be able to take care of yourself the way you did before you had kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess the question, so, I mean, as, as I'm, I'm not sure, you know, but I assume, you know, I don't have kids um, yet, maybe one day, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but uh, the... The thing that stood out to me, well, I mean, the thing that's, the few things stood out to me. The first thing that stood out to me is when you said a lot of men don't. Just quick comment. I think that that has to do with just the fact that our bodies go through so many um, physical changes and chemical changes, mm -hmm. whereas with men, they have to make that connection. Like, like I guess women make the connection with their children in the womb is my point. Yeah. And yeah, men, absolutely. men can't make that connection until they've met them. Um, yeah. But... Uh, Oh, the question I had, the thing that stuck out to me is, you know, you were talking about how self-care came very naturally before children. So when were you introduced to the idea of self-care as something that needed to be done and not just a part of life? Because I know that for me, it was quite late in in my adulthood where people were like, hey, actually, you don't need to take care of yourself beyond just brushing your teeth, you know? Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, like, my parents kind of always talked about, you know, like, hey, make sure you're taking care of yourself or whatever. Like, um, so they were kind of always a little on me for that. So it kind of just was more habit. Okay. Um, but then after kids, it was like, no, I have to actually make a conscious effort to do this. And, um, you know, a few breakdowns later, <laughs> I managed to find what was working. And as the kids have gotten older, things have changed. Um, I used to be the kind of person when I was, before kids, I would I would stay up until like one, two in the morning and 
be playing video games or watching, you know, binging a series on uh, on TV or something like that. And yeah, um, consequences but now, be darned. Yeah. But now I'm exactly the opposite. I, this morning, woke up at 5 a.m. I went to bed at 10. I woke up at 5 a.m. and had my breakfast and I did some writing. So, and that peace and quiet where the kids are still asleep or at least supposed to be asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That peace and quiet right in the morning is now what is super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, writing is uh, in general a very good way to take care of the self, whether you're writing, mm-hmm. I know you write fiction, yeah. Um, but whether you're journaling or writing fiction or or whatever, it allows parts of you to flow out where, where they're mm-hmm. kind of constrained for so long. So um, Absolutely. yeah. And, and so like, if, if I were to ask, you know, what is self-care, what, what types of things would be included in self-care versus versus survival what would you what would you say to that I'm just curious oh that's that's a really good question um yeah because it's actually something I deal with on a regular basis because of my husband working as hard as he does um there's there is a difference between just relaxing enough to get by and actually Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself and relaxing enough to get by is being able to just sit and do what you want to do Um, but I think self-care is actually allowing yourself to dive into whatever it is you're doing and really enjoying it, being able to focus on you and what you're having fun with, with doing. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you phrased it the way that you did, because that tends to be like, people ask me this question a lot. That's why I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, someone else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And that tends to be my answer as well, is that Self-care is things you do only for your well-being, mm-hmm. not for your survival and not for someone else. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. even it's it's interesting because even things like, okay, so showering and brushing your teeth, which I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. those can be self-care mm-hmm. or they might not, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're brushing your teeth because you don't want to have bad breath for your, for your husband or you're showering because you don't want to lose your job because you smell bad. Mm. That's not really doing that as self-care. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing it, so like intention has so much to do mm-hmm. with self-care, reminding yourself that you're a valuable person who has intrinsic worth regardless of what you do and wanting to honor that person, that ha- this, that the body or the person that has been taking care of you your whole life. That to me is the difference in self-care. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what I heard you say, but maybe not. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's absolutely it. It's just a different way of phrasing it. And mm-hmm. it, it is so, so important. I had to learn, like, I, again, had to go through multiple breakdowns before this kind of clicked for me, um, where I had to learn, like, it's okay for me to say to my husband, hey, I need some time. Mm-hmm. And that might only be half an hour or an hour, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there were times I said, I need you to watch the kids for a minute so I can just go and be in in the bedroom. I need some space. Mm-hmm. And it ended up stressing him out um, a lot, especially with the earlier times, because with younger kids, he can't communicate. He can't just talk. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's why he's getting along better with them now. Um, <laughs> but um, honestly, even 15 minutes of me being away from it, having it in the bedroom with the door closed is enough for self-care sometimes. And mm -hmm. I think it's underestimated a lot. And I had to tell myself it's okay to be a little selfish sometimes. Well, and and that really ties into something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, and, and I love your thoughts on it is, um, and we, so Sammy and I actually, just for the audience, um, Sammy and I actually know each other from church. So we were mm -hmm. basically like raised in families that were friends in church and everything like that. Um, and something that they used to say in our church in particular a lot was you can't pour out of an empty cup. And yeah. as much as I don't necessarily love all the dynamics of the church that we were raised in, that is a phrase that comes into my mind almost all the time. Mm -hmm. um, because you said it's okay to be selfish. So I kind of hate the word selfish, not because I think that it's a bad I, I hate the word selfish because I feel like it puts a bad spin on a good thing mm -hmm. a lot of times. Sometimes there's selfishness, like I'm taking all of the, the right. toy cars and nobody else can have it. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's selfish, like I understand that you need me, but I need me more, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and so like the thing about self-care that's so interesting is a lot of people get trapped in, I don't want to be selfish. I don't yeah. want to put myself first. But Often by engaging in self-care and engaging in a healthy relationship with the self, we are actually actually doing a favor to everybody in our lives. No, um, absolutely. Um, because there are so many times where if I feel rushed in the morning, where I don't feel like I can even just sit down and drink my coffee... I am in a foul mood and mm -hmm. I'm grumpy. I have a lot shorter temper with the kids and it's a lot harder to deal with. But I get a good night's sleep. I wake up. I take my time to do my self-care, whatever that looks like. And I am much better equipped to not only handle the kids, but I feel more energized and I can go for a walk. I can take the kids outside to play. And they are better for it. Yep. And I think as a parent, I notice that a lot more than, you know, some people who don't have kids. It's mm -hmm. it's a little more obvious. And I think it's because, you know, because you have little tiny have humans kids, relying on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the people who have kids know like how many times do kids come up, mom, mom, mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's and that's exactly it. And so, like, the reason that I'm mentioning this is because if anyone listening is feeling like that that's too mm -hmm. selfish or it's something that they can't do, please try to free yourself from that burden. Because realistically, one of the least selfish things you can do is to take care of yourself. You know, whether you're taking care of little kids or even if it's just a friend, you know, um, lots of times I've not taken care of myself and then I snap and I push people away and and stuff like that, especially when I was younger, you know, like I lost friends when I was younger because of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and it just goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And uh, yeah, kids are funny that way. Like you said, <laughs> I mean, man, do they teach you like I don't have any kids myself, like I said but I have a lot of kids in my life and mm -hmm. man, do they teach you so much about yourself. Um, you know, what's so interesting. How old are your, how old are your babies? Uh, Serena is six and Elijah is three. Okay. So Elijah's still in this window and Serena is maybe just out of it. 
But an interesting thing about kids um, that I that I find is how much they teach us about the abstract and the imagination side of things and possibilities, right? Like kids, um, not only do I think have an incredible like spiritual access, but they also like, they just don't think in the same linear way that we're like trained up to think in. And man, can they teach us some just incredible new ways of looking at things. You know, like you've looked at something for 30 years the same way and suddenly a kin- kid comes by and you see it with fresh eyes and you're like, holy guacamole. <laughs> uh, that was me trying not to swear. Uh, <laughs> um, and so like, have you had a lot of experiences? I know this isn't really self-care, but I'm just interested. Uh, yeah. Have you had a lot of experiences like that with the kiddos? Um, yeah, some some here and there. Um, mostly it's just... For me, I think it's just wonder at how they can latch on to things. And I know my my husband is like, you know, oh, don't pretend to be other people. Just be you. And it, But at the same time, I'm like, you know, the imagination of pretending to be someone else is like, um, I think it's really important to how they, how they grow and how they discover kind of parts of themselves right Mm -hmm. so it's like I try and be like hey you know it's okay he's at that age (laughs) you know he's everybody else he hasn't learned to be himself yet well and that's a really really interesting topic that you just brought up Mm -hmm. um and the reason that I say that is because you're right like um we discover parts of ourselves by emulating Mm -hmm. the people around us and and seeing what resonates what fits it's like it's like going into a thrift store and trying everything on you're not going to leave with everything, but you will leave with what suits you. Um, and uh, the, the <clears throat> sorry. Um, and the other side of that too is, you know, being ourselves, being, um, you know, being loving. Um, so just uh, think that that's super, super interesting. Um, kids are, Kids are so interesting, really. They they learn how to be themselves through being other people. They learn like I don't think that I don't think that that's you know a really a concern. Um, I think that imitation not only is the sincerest form of flattery, but it also it teaches us how to be it. And, it, and oh, sorry, I was rambling a little because I got distracted. <laughs> um, <It's> okay. <laughs> the other side of it too is that that also teaches us empathy. The ability mm-hmm. to put ourselves into another frame of mind mm-hmm. is one of the most valuable skills that I think that a human can have um, because it, it allows us to be flexible. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I write, uh, why oh, I write my yeah. stories is just I like exploring different aspects of things and diving really deep into why people can think or feel or act the way they do um so like I like to explore writing the villain you know it's like it gives you a space to dive deeper into that sort of thing and the scary part is is when you start seeing some of that in yourself and you go oh shit (laughs) yes so that's the other thing that I wanted to say as I rambled and forgot is that it's interesting um because as a writer of fiction 
that's literally your whole job is maybe you're not being in your physical sense, but you are Mm -hmm. writing from the perspective of many, many different people. Mm -hmm. And to touch on the villain thing, holy crap, me too. (laughs) Me too. I was just saying that to someone. We were talking about some terrible thing that someone had done. And, and, uh, and Matt goes, well, you know, you know, we were talking about, we were talking we were talking about politics and, and the death penalty and all of that kind of stuff. And, and because right. I, I believe in um, rehabilitative justice as opposed to punitive justice. Yeah. And so we were just talking about what that looks like and, 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 you know, not everyone is rehabilitatable and all of that. And he said, well, once someone is capable of evil, they're always going to be capable of it. And I said to him, I said, Matt, you and I are both capable of great evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I said every human is. Yeah. You know, and and it is scary, mm-hmm. but it Absolutely. also it also helps. It helps me like it's scary, but at the same time, for me personally, it helps me feel more assured in my choices because I know that I'm making the choice not to act on these scary thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um. One of my. Uh, best friends from high school, he would always tell me something that has still stuck to me, stuck with me to this day. And that is, it's not could they, it's would they. And it's just so powerful to think about it like that, because we are Mm -hmm. all capable under the right circumstances, we are all capable of doing despicable things. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's exactly, that's a great way to phrase it. It's not could they, would they, um, because, yeah, the right circumstances, we can all be broken. We are all fragile, fleshy computers, <laughs> you know, um, and and we can, you know, like brain injuries happen. Um, severe trauma, which is kind of a type of brain injury in and of itself, happen. All this kind of stuff happens. And I don't know. Anyways, my point is, <laughs> my point is that it helps me, um, like we were talking about with the empathy and stuff like that, to remember that I'm lucky that I haven't come into circumstances that have forced my hand to do something that I would not be able to live with. Um, and that and that helps me to, you know, associate with people that other people struggle to associate with, and it's it's helpful. Um, have you? So, like, do you do you have a lot of villains in your book? I'm I'm very interested. In. <laughs> um, well, I focus on the one, the one villain, but um, he like I've got a whole group that is the the villains, and um, so I focus on the one guy in particular. Um, but yeah, there is more than one. Um. I just figured it would be easier if I picked one and just kind of stuck with his train of thought. Otherwise it'd be like a million perspectives. (laughs) Well, and, and it makes sense too. Like, um, it's, it's funny. This is the first time I've ever realized how similar writing fiction is to acting. Um, very, very similar trades fields. I don't, I don't know what you call it. Um, (laughs) careers, professions, artistic career, I guess. Um, but, uh, activity. Okay. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. (laughs) It doesn't. Uh, (laughs) Um, but they're, uh, but they're super similar. And I remember having, I had an actor on the show once and, and he was talking about how, valuable it is to play the villain is specifically Mm -hmm. what he said he said i have learned so much more having to figure out how to play a bad guy and do it unabashedly 
mm-hmm. than I ever did plan. Or maybe maybe that's not specifically what he said, but something mm-hmm. along those lines. That's that's right. the message that I got. And yeah, and I was like, that's an incredible thought that I've never really thought about before. What an incredible exercise. And interestingly enough, an exercise in self-care mm-hmm. because absolutely when you are able to put yourself in that um, mm-hmm. mindset and then shift back, how much do you appreciate the good life you've got, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, one of my favorite authors, he said he has the most fun writing the villains and that's because you get to explore some of the most despicable parts of humanity Without consequences. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You, know, you get to play around with it and you can explore some of those nasty, nasty crevices of, of the human mind. And it's, well, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> it, and it's also kind of like, um, a, this is going to make me sound weird, but a beautiful thing. Um, like as much as I am not like pro evil, you know, mm. I, I feel like you probably know that. Yeah. Um, I very much appreciate the darkness around me as well as the darkness that exists within me because of the dichotomy it creates, right? It, it creates mm-hmm. it creates space for mm-hmm. good to flourish, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And, and you're right, like having those, the ability to do that, um, whether you're reading the book or you're writing the book, having the ability to explore the mindset and explore the ideas of darkness without having to actually harm anyone, mm-hmm. I think is very, very healthy um, yeah. for for everyone, really, is, is, you know, like we were talking before we started about how sheltering, whether it's sheltering children or sheltering ourselves, can really be doing us a big disservice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And I think it's not, like, it doesn't have to be writing or reading or anything like that either. It can be video games, it can be movies, like, whatever your outlet is, whatever you connect with, that's where you're going to find that that same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, like I said, I appreciate it so much. And I know that it's sort of taboo to say like there's good in the bad, but mm. I also think that it's like, it's life isn't complete without it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's going to be something missing if we don't let ourselves be exposed to that at all. But I feel like we've gotten way off topic, but that's okay. <laughs> it's kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and it is, it is, it is plugging along here. So um, I wanted to ask, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Hand drummed on my desk. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to ask you before, before we play a game, do you have any follow-up thoughts on the, uh, the self-care thing? Is if it, Okay, I guess this is what I'm asking. Is if Serena was in front of you right now and would absolutely take your advice at, say, 14 years old, what advice would you give her about self-care? I would probably say that um, at the end of the day, what you feel matters. And that's in regards to anything in life. Um, I think as I, I let you know before, um, as we very connected, that I had to end a friendship. Mm-hmm. with someone I thought was my best friend and it was because of the toxicity and mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, p- 
part of self self care. Just making sure that you're surrounding yourself with supportive people as well. If you have a lot of people who want to focus on themselves, they want your attention, and they're not willing to return that. You know that's not healthy, and it's important for you as well, just to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you're surrounding yourself with people who will do give and take. That is fantastic advice. Um, I too have had to end friendships for similar reasons. And it sucks so much. Yes. It yes, so it does. <laughs> but, but at the end of the better. day, I was just going to say, at the <laughs> end of the day, it is one of the most worthwhile endeavors you can is to, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but ultimately you're saying value yourself as much as mm-hmm. you value other people. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that that's incredible advice. So to change gears extremely fast, like I love to do, um, I'm going to make you get, well, I'm not going to make you, I'm going to politely ask you if you would like to uh, guess some Australian slang. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. All right. Well, we'll start with a super, super easy one. Barbie. Barbie. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the doll, but... um, what if I said, throw some shrimp, shrimp on the bobby? <laughs> I can't do oh. an Australian accent to save my life. <laughs> that sounds like barbecue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's barbecue. Um, and oh, by the way, if anyone has a problem with these slang words, it's from IELTS.com.au. So it's not me, it's them. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's a Billy? Billy. See, I feel like I should know some of these. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know this one. No, I have no clue. It's a teapot in the outback on the fire. Um, What about billabong? I have no clue. Uh, The first thing that came to mind was just like, you know, weed and (laughs) smoking out of a bong. Oh, that's so funny. It's not. It's a, it's, it's a pond in a dry riverbed. I've never heard of it either. So like, don't feel bad at any of this because (laughs) I don't know them. Um, Chrissy. Chrissy. Sounds like some sort of term for a type of a girl. Like, you know, oh, like a Sheila. Like she's beha- she's behaving this way, so she's a Chrissy. That, that's what it sounds like to that's me. That's a fantastic guess, but it's Christmas. Okay, that works too. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to skip down to like a lower letters now. I'm going to do two more. Okay. I have no idea what they're going to be though. Oh, hey, I call them. Okay, what is Sunny's? This is a word I use. I didn't know it was Australian slang. Uh, I think of eggs, sunny side up. <laughs> oh, I uh, I call my sunglasses sunnies. That and works that, too. That's what they they do apparently. So I think that's pretty dope. Yeah, because um, I'm always like, have you seen my sunnies? And Matt's like, yeah, they're in the sunglasses case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and last and maybe least, who knows, um, is rooted. Mm. I'm thinking trees whenever I hear that. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it means tired or broken. That works too. That yeah, makes sense. I didn't, I didn't know any of these. So I was like, all right. Um, and then before, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask, is there anywhere that people can find you? Do you have Insta or website? I know you're doing the writing. I'm really excited to read the book. I'm sure other people will be too. <laughs> Um, so yeah. how can people find you? Um, well, most prominently I'm on Twitter at, uh, 
the Samantha G with underscores between Samantha and uh, the- uh, on either side of Samantha. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. Um, and yeah, hopefully the book will be out. Um, soon. soon. I'm still, I'm still in the process of drafting because I've had to rewrite it a few times, but, uh, okay. I'm hoping by the end of the year, I'll be able to query some agents cause I'm going the traditional publishing route, which so. is fantastic. You don't hear that that often anymore. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I will throw your Twitter handle into the description. Okay. Um, sounds good. Of the podcast. And I will try try to remember to update it when you have a link for your book. Um, right. So thank you so much, Sammy. I have had, it's been so nice. We haven't actually seen each other's faces in probably at least a decade. So it's yeah. pretty exciting <laughs> to, uh, to have talked to Sammy today. And um, so thank you so much. Um, and to my audience, I love you. Bye. Thank you.